I think I did this last time I was on. First show ever. I was like, so wait, this is the question. I go now. <laughs> now I start. All right, great. Raj Nation Innovations Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka The Raj Nation. I am your show's host. I'm the founder of Raj Nation Innovation, a hip hop artist and a yoga instructor. Above all else, I am a storyteller. And I am joined by my co host, Victoria Cohen, aka Almonds and Asana. No, the nickname VC Money did not stick, but Victoria is the blogging voice behind almasandasana.com. She's also a yoga instructor and community activist, promoting lifestyle choices that have positive impacts on the world around you. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with founders, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are what we're doing, and how we can do it better. This is the premiere, premiere, season premiere of season eight of the show. And to kick off season eight, we are starting the season just like how we started this entire show over two and a half years ago by welcoming back our first ever guest, Matt Wilson, onto the show. Matt Wilson is a good friend of mine. He is mi amigo, as we like to say with each other. He is the co-founder of Under 30 Experiences, a travel company for young adults which scaled from four trips in 2014 to now over 200 trips a year in 2017. And in that growth process, Matt has placed a heavy emphasis on his own health. So our conversation today is around how do you build a sustainable life? Now before we dive in and kick off Season 8 officially, I want to welcome you. If you are not a member of our tribe already, come on and join our tribe over at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. Enter your email address and you will never miss another episode of the show, as well as all the cool Raj Nation Innovation stories I share through our platform. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Matt Wilson, kicking off Season 8, Episode 1, How Do You Build a Sustainable Life? Let's listen in. I would say that you can just look around and how we're going about our lives and running our country and our world, it's just not sustainable. And I don't just mean in the ecological sense, meaning is this good for the environment, but is this good for ourselves? Are we going to be able to literally sustain the speed at which we are doing things and also the manner in which we are we are doing things and so to me that means a lot about our own health and fitness the way that we work uh, the way that we just conduct our lives and of course there's lots of crossover into how wasteful we are with all of our plastic and petroleum and all that good stuff so that's that's what that means to me so what are some of the things then that you've kind of 
I, I, like the problem is there, right? Like we're not living in a sustainable manner. And I've from, I've observed some of the things you've you've taken on as part of that, like foods you choose to eat, which I'll never agree with you on the no gluten thing. <laughs> I mean, read a book. It's, it's in there. Um, I like bread way too much and carbs. So you've made some like dietary changes. For sure. Right. Like right now, I mean, obviously the listeners don't know because this is audio, but you're wearing the blue light dimming sunglasses or whatever you call them, just normal glasses. Yeah, wait, yes. tell me about those because I just thought they were cool. Thank you for but thinking apparently that, that they were cool. too. And then you called them stupid. So cool. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, they're very stupid. They're $9 glasses from Amazon and yeah. they're UVEX blue light blockers. And okay. the idea is that. All these fluorescent lights in here are beaming the strongest spectrum of blue lights mm-hmm. into our eyes and onto our skin, all our photoreceptors. And it's telling our bodies that it is noon in the middle of summer, which it basically is right now, mm-hmm. but it's only good <laughs> yeah, at this time of the day. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not good before bed to be having the blue lights flashing mm-hmm. into your into your eyes. Mm-hmm. It messes with your production of melatonin which is a hormone that tells you to go to sleep but also just things we could get totally into all right why are we sorry i know your blog is named almonds and avocados <laughs> asana. and asanas asana. right no but yeah these things may or may not grow in the chicago land area most yeah. of what we're getting our almonds from is from california mm-hmm. and has this terrible problem oh no don't you know i i pick mine up from california i bring them back okay that's great (laughs) but you know bringing them yeah bring them here it's we're eating these all these things that are not natural to our body and there's a big theory in medicine right now that that's the reason so many people are getting sick or or at least performing uh, more poorly than they otherwise could have because they have all these blue lights shining to the, into their eyes and your body. You know, we used to walk around barefoot and um, we used to be out in the sun a little bit more and get a little vitamin D once in a while, but now we're just getting blasted by like computer screens and TV screens and iPads and iPhones and all, all these things. Anyway, uh, to bring it all back together, it's about is this natural for your body and yeah that's why I wear the glasses is to shield myself from these things now these are all new theories that are, are coming out and there are scientific studies behind them that support these things is this going to save my life I don't know <laughs> but why not wear these quote-unquote stupid glasses <laughs> and give it a shot I know that I do sleep better yeah. because of them Interesting. Um, so whether it's placebo or not placebo, mm-hmm. whatever, if there's studies to support it, I'm, I'm going to do it. Out of curiosity, how do you feel about like really dark room at night versus like if there's little lights on? Oh, I'm, I'm the guy who oh. unscrews the smoke okay. detector. Okay, because, well, f- full yeah. disclosure, we were on our honeymoon. We were, in, we were in Cambodia, in like a beautiful hotel in Cambodia, uh-huh. and there was this tiny light my husband knows I'm like crazy I try to cover every single lighter at least and then Same I like here. put things over my eyes I'm like there can't be a tiny lighter like it's so distracting 
and literally I made him call down to order like tape so that I could tape something up over this like light that would uh, not stop going. He's like, oh, you are so oh, oh my gosh, uh, I need not sleep masks. Okay, do you know, I, I've tried different sleep masks. Sleep I don't like them because I feel like they're like tight. So I take a long sleeve shirt and I take the sleeve of it and I wrap yeah. it around. Wait, have you ever tried this one? No, but I hand it over. Listeners, Victoria's trying on Matt's sleep oh, masks. You have it upside down, down, but you kind of oh. look like Batman. But, oh, this is nice. But it also covers you your get ears. This? Oh, uh, yes, I love that too. Yeah, this is all the this sensory is thing. It's called the Sleep Master. Wow, I'm writing that down. Yeah, I'll Thank tell you, you. what I love. I, so I just moved into a new apartment where Matt, where you dropped off your suitcase earlier today when you went to the wrong place. Yes. <laughs> and now, and I actually exactly on time for our meeting. Yes, yes, my bad. So it's a garden unit, which means it doesn't get a ton of natural light um which could be bad for the reason of do i have to have you know light bulbs on all the time but i'm not really there during the day so whatever mm -hmm. but what's awesome about it is the bedroom is pitch black it's oh, like once i turn so off the light, like i can't nice. i cannot see my limbs if i put them in the air that's awesome which is so amazing nice. and i've noticed you know it's only been like a week there now as of this recording and i'm actually going to I'm, like before, I was going to bed earlier, and more tired when I woke up. Now, like last night, I went to bed at eleven, and I woke up at like five forty today, I think. But I felt good. I didn't feel sure. I needed to sleep. You had like for an actual good night yeah. of rest, not sure. like waking up. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's no real like I mean, because it's in the base, it's underground at that point, right? Mm -hmm. I don't really hear any sounds, oh, even though the next door neighbor owns a rooster, wow. <laughs> which I noticed once I was up. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, wow. I mean, and and of course I go to more extreme measures than I expect most people yeah. to do. But I also live in Costa Rica, where I can get vitamin D mm -hmm. and I can get good UV rays first thing in the morning mm -hmm. at noon. I try to watch the sunset if I can. It gets dark all year round at six p.m. Mm -hmm. and so by nine. I'm pretty bored, and yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to read my book and then <laughs> yeah. sleep, right. and then I'm up at five or six in the morning when it gets light again, right. and that's much more natural mm -hmm. to me, and most of what the science is saying right now is we've just come, so, we've become so disconnected that mm -hmm. it's not sustainable for us anymore. Yeah. No, I totally see that. Sometimes I get this weird feeling, like, when I think about how quickly technology has evolved and, like how you know just how fast things are moving i almost like envision the world as if it's like a tasmanian devil you know like everything's like this and like at some point like what happens is it just like i don't know sure. like sometimes i feel like gosh we're just going so fast like and things are compounding so quickly that at what point is is it just We've worked ourselves out of existence. Well, the speed you know? is accelerating. Right, right, with technology right. Technology, yeah. infinite. Right, amounts, that's what I'm saying. Just know? compounding. So the the book I read earlier this year, which I think every, I actually think everyone should read, but particularly our age group should read, is the new Thomas. Well, it's new as of last year now, but Thomas Friedman, the New York Times columnist and author of The Earth Is Flat or whatever, mm -hmm. or World Is Flat from about a decade ago or more than that. His newer book is called, it's a really long title. It's like, Thank You for Being Late, colon, An Optimist Guide to Thriving in the Age of Accelerations. And what he refers to the current time period as is that we are in an age of acceleration. And the idea is that, the whole thesis is that 
there are three forces that are accelerating at a faster rate than we can keep up with. And for most of the history of the world, they've progressed on a linear path. And now they're hockey sticking. Mm. And if it, you know, or you could say like it was an exponential curve always, but it was always the flat part of the curve. And now it's, it's the uptick of it. And the three forces are globalization of markets, Mm -hmm. climate change, and technology. And they all very closely interplay with one another to create this accelerate. Like, you know, and I think one of the baseline examples he uses is like, just take the technology piece. He's like, by the time the governments figure out how to regulate Uber, self-driving cars will be a standard and the regulation won't even matter. Mm -hmm. Like, like a whole industry will have like come and gone exactly. and no one will have even right? had time or, to write I mean, it. I thought, and the reason why I think everyone in our age group could read it, should read it is because I actually have a decent understanding of how the world works now like mm-hmm. and operates with one another. Um, the, like, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, it, it's, fan, it's, a, it's a kind of a tough read for the fact that it just Heavy. goes into like, yeah, some deep stuff that if you're not already really familiar with it, you've got to like sit and think about like the scientific nature of climate change and that kind of stuff. But, you know, another example would be the uprisings in Egypt from, what, six, seven years ago? Mm-hmm. Really, when you look at, I'm going to butcher the story a little bit, but when you look at what that was the result of, was you had land drying up that, that was where the soil was fertile before, but now it's arid because of climate changing. Well, at the same time, the... Egyptian government can get bread from another country for cheaper than they can grow it in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So you've got the government, you've got, so you've got climate change affecting, you've got globalization of markets now coming into that, and then what mobilized them to uprise against the government was they could use technology. And like one of the biggest, the biggest catalysts was the government shot down some, I can't remember what, the name, what his name was, and then someone created a we are all so and so Facebook page, mm-hmm. which got, I don't know, over a million followers in like two days or less. And then that sparked the revolution. Yeah. Which and that's again, that's climate change, it's globalization of markets and technology all closely relating to each other to make like one event happen. And while that's an extreme event, those kinds of things are happening on a smaller scale every day and it's it's accelerating faster than we can keep up with. Just wait until all these little island nations are underwater. Mm-hmm. That's going to yeah. be a huge issue. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. Absolutely. So, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I like just on the sustainability, not necessarily, well, it, it, it fits into all this. So, I, with my blog, I told you I'm like trying to understand a little bit more about like sustainable eating. So, I'm not a vegetarian or a vegan, but I'm trying to make more conscious choices and buying fish that's just, you know, sustainable and um, like really, really trying to look into things the best that I can. Definitely not perfect, but working on it. Um, so, one thing though is that earlier this year, I watched the Leonardo DiCaprio before the flood, I think it's called, right? His documentary, yeah. his climate change oh, okay. documentary is really good, but also very scary as they all are. Um, and one of the people in it was like one of the biggest things people could do. That's just the easiest step is to just cut out red meat. Like there, it's just sure. it's not 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 even for like your you know your body or for um, you know physical reasons or 
health reasons, but just they're so bad for the environment. They're just such an absolute waste. And so I decided to, I, I don't cook red meat at all anymore. And I pretty much always try to choose something else when I'm out. Like occasionally I'll eat it, but very occasionally now. Um, and I happened to read an article earlier today that I shared in my Instagram stories that was basically like, if every person, I think the article was something like, you know, if everyone switched beef for, you know, beef and beans, like what the impact would be. And it was like, they estimate that we could reach 46 to 74% of our um, uh, um, emission reduction goals um, <laughs> if that was the one change everyone made. And the whole point of the article was like, okay, even if we still like ate chicken, ate eggs, ate fish, like even eat pork, but if you just cut cows out of it, like it, it's one really small thing that's just not that big of a deal that you know you could make this big impact. And so, the beginning of the article was saying there's you know there's now this like new category of anxiety that's called eco anxiety and it's people mm. feeling like climate change is real you know what people can feeling I feeling like climate no 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 no, 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 no. no, 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 no. I'm saying I, this is the overall <laughs> feeling people are like climate change is real but the feeling is like but I can't do anything like I guess I'll turn my lights off I'll like you know take shorter showers all these things and the article was like you know, this is a real thing that people are having this eco-anxiety and sure, those other things are great, but like when they actually started to do these studies, the number one thing people could do that would actually make a true impact is to just stop eating red meat, which I think is just super cool and crazy. No, I, I think it's really interesting and what I was happy to hear about Thomas Friedman's book is it's the optimist guy. Mm -hmm. yeah. That, that's yeah, the, the second half yeah. of the book is like, so what do we do about it? The first half, you're like, oh, we're fucked. Right. And then That's the like a lot of these climate change movies. They're sure. so scary. Sure. And so I walk, unfortunately, <laughs> I walk around the world and I, I am a bit of a, what was the term you called? Eco. Oh, um, eco anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> You've got eco anxiety. Or I have, not anxiety about the foods that I eat, but I Conscious. Want, you're really conscious. Yeah. I don't want to walk around the world and see all of the things that are going wrong, all of the bad things. Um, and that's, that's something that I struggle with internally all mm -hmm. of the time and trying to say, okay, well, I'm doing my best part. I'm doing my yeah. best. I want to lead by example. Hopefully other people can, you, you know, the, the listener, if you, if the listeners haven't heard, mm -hmm. you know, it's about the, the methane gases that literally it's the, uh, cows. Yeah. Can I say S H I T? Yeah. Say whatever word you want to say. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cows shit. Yeah. And the methane gases that are going into the ozone layer and also the incredible amount of water yeah. that goes, uh, that these cows use. And so anyway, it's just this huge problem with eating red meat, but I don't want to walk around the world and mm -hmm. just be like, uh, I get in a bad mood every time I walk by McDonald's and see right. the obese people hanging out outside who don't really know any better slash they're kind of addicted slash yeah. it's a really bad it's a lot more complicated than mm -hmm. just judging these people and so uh yeah it, it's difficult yeah and i think there's something that can be judged in every perspective right like while you're like not gonna eat gluten right someone could be like well you eat meat i think you still do right yeah i, I eat meat when it's around um I don't buy meat to cook it at home, but I eat, uh, I mainly eat fish. I eat fish yeah. every day. Yeah. So that, but so like there's all these little like nuances of like, okay, right. well, 
one person right, can choose course. to live like this, which is different than how that person lives and so right. on and so forth. So there's all these different ways to live. So then with that in mind, what is it that, like, how do we just get along? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's hard. And how do you get along with yourself? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Because yeah. here I am drinking <laughs> Fijian water from Fiji. And the reason that I bought it in, in a plastic, plastic bottle, bottle is because I know it's the best water that I can possibly put into myself. And if I want to come on a pod, on a podcast, I don't want to be drinking chlorinated, fluorinated water mm-hmm. that is shitty for Wait, me. Wait, the normal water that's bottled is, is bad? For, well, tap water, right? Okay, oh, it doesn't oh, okay. have to come from Fiji, but okay. this is highly rated. Yeah. Um, San Pellegrino. <laughs> Amazon like, said it was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's if you look up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. We believe you. Okay. Well, you were saying as opposed we believe to tap you've water, done your not research. as opposed to like sure, yeah, ice mountain uh, water. Yeah, I could drink the tap water as well, but I know it's not as good oh, for me. Good. And then I internalize, sure, well, I want to come on this podcast and make a positive mm-hmm. impact. I want to do that to the best You want to hold yourself ability. accountable for what you're And about. sure, I might have to drink a plastic bottle, but hopefully a few thousand people stop, stop using plastic bottles. And that's the kind of internal struggle that mm-hmm. I have. Personally, and that's that's what every so, it's a very uneasy time to mm-hmm. be alive and try to live within your values because of globalization. It's all around us. Like mm-hmm. even though I live in Costa Rica in the middle of nowhere, and I try to eat everything from an organic farm that's very close to my house, it's not easy yeah. to live a modern lifestyle and still do the right thing. Totally. So then. This idea of the sustainable life is something that I think within the startup community is super relevant on even a more micro scale, just in the sense of like, when you're working on a startup, you're working, you know, it's like if you're not working 24 hours, you're not working hard enough. And because a lot of times you've chosen a profession that doesn't pay you, at least right away, you have to make cutbacks in your life and then opting for the cheaper groceries is the route you kind of just have to go, right? Yeah, and I did it. Right? And so what it like what's kind of the what's the path forward then? And maybe maybe we don't really have an answer for the grocery side of things, but at least for the sustainable work style, work life side of things. Yeah, like how have you made like I'm curious, I think of what you're getting at is like you obviously live you know, this certain lifestyle that you're trying to strive for being more sustainable and you live in Costa Rica, which is like, you know, you're not living in Chicago, but you've got this company and like, so how do you kind of balance that? How do you maintain that? How do you get to that place? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I guess if I kind of bring us back because I've been through this transition of, okay, starting a company and being extremely stressed out and trying to figure out take our listeners down memory lane okay it's 2017 right now i started uh, my first business with my co-founder jared o'toole in 2008 2009 call it and this was under 30 ceo we were a media site for uh, young people trying to start businesses we published news advice interviews articles young people to get their their ideas off the ground, especially because this was in the midst of the global economic crisis. Mm -hmm. I graduated in the worst uh, economy since the Great Depression. Uh, It was very difficult for people to find jobs. And 
so there was that, right? And that was a hard time to figure out the internet, right? Even just whatever, whatever that is, eight, nine years ago now. Uh, it seems like a long time to us because we're young, but in the age of industry, it's, it's like... Nothing. We're in our infancy well, still. If I can cut you off internet, for a second, yeah, that's go what, ahead. kind of what Friedman in that book, and why he's like age of acceleration, right? Like he kind of highlights that exact point where he's like, he said 2007 was the jump off year because like that's when it, iPhone came out. That's when uh, storage capacities like increased tenfold or more than that. And he was saying like, for most of human, he's like, if you lived in the year. 1100 and you lived in the year 1200 you would notice virtually zero change in society mm -hmm. but if you lived in the year 2008 and the year 2013 think of all the differences yeah. that happened in that five years that's <laughs> insane that's insane okay quick side story yeah i have a friend who was visiting me when i was living in new york and he came out of the came out of the subway and met a guy and the guy said hey will you help me i need to go to this address can can you figure this out for me? And my friend takes out his iPhone and he punches in the thing and the guy looks at him and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, I've been in jail for 10 years. What? I, I don't know what you're doing right now. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. And my friend's just like, oh yeah, up here two blocks. The whole world is right. just completely oh changed. And the guy's mind was just blown. So yeah, wow. real life example. These rectangles. Real life <laughs> example of that. Um, before the aside, we were going somewhere. With, uh, you were with, saying, oh, your story, how, yeah, you started on the uh, right. CEO around this. Okay, time. so there were not a, there were bloggers at that time, but there were not a lot of bloggers who were a making any money at it or b uh, doing much in the way of building a community. Or we prided ourselves on being some of the very first young entrepreneur bloggers, and we brought other bloggers together who were trying to. Uh, start businesses and they wanted to talk to other people about what they were going through now it's like oh you have medium.com right you've or, got all these you know places. you have a, yeah, a billion of them okay so but during that time i took myself through the ringer of just trying to make it trying to make it in new york trying to um, make enough money yet dealing with the stress of trying to do that having having no money uh, eating terrible foods, not sleeping enough, uh, always being connected to Wi-Fi and our computers and our phones, which are emitting terrible radiation coming out of it that is extremely detrimental to our health. Uh, and if we're connected to that stuff all the time without seeing the daylight, yeah, I mean, that's why I started practicing yoga. So Raj, you wanted to get into some actionable things that people could do. Yeah, in 2010, I decided, okay, you know what? Uh, I'm not gonna lift so many weights and eat so much chicken packed with antibiotics and hormones. Let me try to at least go to this yoga class at a New York sports club gym and and relax a little bit in the middle of the day. And I found that that really helped me. And then I started to get into the, wow, okay, I'm more focused after mm -hmm. I do this and started to get interested in meditation, but I really had no idea what it was. There were no apps out there to teach you and in 2011. Didn't exist yet. Exactly. <laughs> and so uh, I just started going down this rabbit hole into trying to 
it was really a rabbit hole of self-discovery because I knew the person that I was at that time was not who I wanted to be. I was not connected with uh, the things that I loved, which are the outdoors, which uh, are being in nature, doing uh, action sports, outdoor activities, these type, being physical with my body. I mean, it was literally just hunched over Mm -hmm. my computer all of the time with these things resting on my genitals. Yeah, I know. Mean, Side note: Whenever my husband's sitting in the car and he's got his phone, I'm like, "Take it out, take it out, yeah, not under your seriously, <laughs> back. seriously." I'm like, "That's gotta be so bad." Yeah, and so uh, I went down this. Of course, there were there was yoga, and then there was uh, trying to eat more healthy. And as I started to do this, um, eventually, yeah, I figured things out business wise a little bit better. Where then I was able to make investments in my own health and now i mean now i feel like i'm i'm any investment that i can make i am making now as early and often as possible to make up for all the years that i put myself Mm -hmm. through hell uh and yeah now i'm trying to experiment with things like neurofeedback and hooking up electrodes to my head to measure my brain waves and put myself into more focused and wow. deeper meditative states. I'd like to see a picture of that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm going to go to do this training in, in November um, cool. in LA and, and really invest in this stuff because I know that it's going to make me a better person, a better leader, be able to make more positive impact. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's the same, even though my story, my example is a little bit extreme, mm-hmm. It's the same same thing. Like, okay, in college, I ate ramen noodles and mac and cheese, and it was ter- you know, and drank thirty beers every weekend. Like, it was terrible. Okay, but as you, of course, grow out of it, but then I, I developed a hunger to be able to get better, and mm-hmm. that's what I would say is the most important thing. Is people need to at least want to learn about this or want to make themselves better in some capacity. And that's what the startup community really needs to embrace a little bit more is that spending so much time, yeah, I get it, it's do or die. Yeah. Uh, But it's do or die in such a superficial, like, your startup, it's do or die. Let's pause 60 seconds for this public service announcement for you startup founders out there listening the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast is brought to you by Raj Nation Innovation. If you are not familiar yet with Raj Nation Innovation, let me tell you real quick. I talk to founders pretty much every day who flat out tell me, Raj, we suck at telling our story. Well, my job is to remove the suck. With Raj Nation Innovation, I blend a unique background in both branding and songwriting because, as I'm sure you know, if you've been listening to this show, I am also a hip hop artist. And so I look at business communication through the lens of entertainment and performance. And with that approach, I partner with growth-focused startups to help them develop their pitch, their story, and their message so they can go raise investor capital and acquire their early customers. Companies like FanFood, Keo, Jiffy Rides, Muses, and more have all gone through my signature brand communication playbook and come out on the other side winning pitch competitions, raising seed funding, and being masters of telling their story. Holler at me at www.rajnationinnovation.com. That's R-A-J nationinnovation.com. Back now to the show. And we've had similar conversations to this. Like I think, one, I'm thinking a lot about our conversation with Katie when we talked about how do you maintain your hustle. And one of her five things was like, like sell, like, 
taking care of yourself and health and wellness is like so important to just maintaining that hustle to be able to keep going. And her example is similar thing, but it was a soul cycle. I think she was super into spinning and she's like, sometimes I get so in my head and so stressed out and like I go and take a class and I, you know, I get that cardio going and my heart rate going and my head is clear and I can like make better decisions at work. So, you know, just really similarly, that is what kind of came to my mind. Well, the, I like that you brought up Matt, the, the do or die and you're like, well, that's kind of superficial though. A couple days ago, I was listening to our friend Daniel DiPiazza's podcast, the Rich 20-something podcast, and he had Seth Godin as his guest. I don't know if you've listened to that or not. I haven't listened to it. It's a good episode. I, I just interviewed Daniel last week. Nice. And so he's, <laughs> a, like frequent, he's, yeah, he's a frequent guest on my, on my show, but also, uh, yeah, he referenced it, so I'm going to have so to listen. So the Seth Godin, I mean, it was, it was great. The interview was great, but one of the things, you know, Seth was just kind of recounting part of his own story and giving advice in the process, and he was saying how... You know, he's like, I was at this point earlier on where it was, how did he phrase it? He was like, I was in like a life or death situation with my business. And he's like, but the reality is, he's like, I, I, I've been exposed to other cultures now. He's like, I've been in villages in India where if you don't do the work that day, you actually might not eat that night. He's like, and none of us in this business world, he's like, the alternative is we have to get a job. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's what the die situation is and do or die. Right, right, and the, the kind of the punchline uh, of all of that, I know I went on for a while, but it, it very well may be do or die for the planet. It may right, be right. do or die for our own physical bodies right. and our own right. health. Right. And we are really, you know, they, they say burning the candle at both ends. We are doing that on all levels, and right. that's what sustainability to me is, is about. Right. Well, and I look at, like, Previous guests on this show, who have talked, like uh, Aaron Fazulak, co-founder of Designation.io, Joe Parisi, we just had on from Guard Llama, a couple others who they've talked about, they had this moment where mm-hmm. they, like like Aaron mentioned, he physically couldn't get out of bed. Joe and mentioned Joe was he like, went yeah, to no the doctor ad- and the doctor said, like, yeah, <laughs> said, you have no adrenaline left. Like if a tiger were in front of you, your fight or flight response wouldn't activate. You wouldn't be able to do anything. Right, so they get to this point where you are so physically destroying yourself and I what I don't and maybe it's like you need to bottom out so you can actually change but what I'm trying to figure out is is there a way around getting it to the point where it's so bad that you physically can't function anymore so therefore you have to make a change like how can it be preempted so that you don't hit that rock bottom physical mental emotional moment and you actually build in some of these sustainable practices into the into your process well I think one one thing, just because it's our the podcast that was it's out this week as we're recording this um, time. Oh yeah, <laughs> super really, super super really relevant, hugely. <laughs> oh yikes, <laughs> um, <laughs> really what? relevant. Sorry, just thinking about our president's terrible grammar and it's oh. rubbing off on me. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, huge, big. Yeah, Grand. huge. Um, <laughs> The podcast that's actually out this week while we're recording this is about our relationship with time. And so the guest that we had on... Season 7, episode 9. Samira Farr. (laughs) She says um, she now takes this really active way of viewing time as like she puts a face on it. Like she's in a relationship with time and she'll, when she comes to something, instead of like answering an email right away, she'll sort of like look to her friend time or her boyfriend time or whatever and say like, 
is is this like is this something you can give is this like what is this relationship like am i abusing you are you abusing me like how are we using one another it was really it was interesting though right but so i feel like and her whole thing was like being the way i understood it was like being more present and so i think having that more present mindset and being able to like keep perspective which is so hard to do but i think if the keeping the perspective that like okay in you know it's that whole simple like in five minutes from now will this be a big deal and you know five days from now five months from now five years from now and sort of looking at these things that we get so worked up about and sometimes the answer is no well and maybe the startup community will resonate with this a little bit because I want to do things that are good for the long term and everyone in the startup community is chasing the short term Mm -hmm. uh, whatever they're chasing you know what I mean and and I get it again it's do quote unquote do or die for for your business and you have a certain amount of cash in the bank and once it's gone it's gone Mm -hmm. right that's die and Mm -hmm. but if you think about it I'm, I'm thinking okay how can I live if I live longer than anybody listening right now I'll make more money than that person just from compounded interest. And yeah, that's not like my end game is to make more money than the next person. But if that is a business's end game, right? If it's if it is about in measure of profits, yeah, that the longer that you is, survive. Right? Yeah, exactly. Or if I can invest in something uh, like meditation or going to yoga, that's going to make me be able to zoom out and see the bigger picture in my business that is totally worth the time and i don't want anybody in my company giving me shit for stepping out in the middle of the day for a yoga class right so how did you take okay so it sounds like that first business that you had in 2007 8 the under 30 ceo is that mm-hmm. what it's called yeah how, so how did that transition to what you're doing now and like did do you do things differently and Yes, I mean, okay, and then and so, then how did you get to this like sustainable life? I'm just I'm curious of this evolution. Sure. <laughs> so of course in New York it was in front of my computer, laptop on the lap, <laughs> on the genitals, <laughs> genital top. Uh, okay, not yeah, laptop. Mutilating exactly. all of the potential babies. <laughs> and, right, and you know it was a lot more work hard, play hard, right. go out and party after, and. Right. Uh, it just, it didn't make me feel good. And so if, if anybody's listening and whatever they're doing on a day-to-day basis is not making them feel good. Change it. That should, yeah, that should be a very big red flag. And just because it's accepted in the startup culture doesn't mean that it's okay. It doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that it's for you. Be a leader and go out there and say, okay, no, I'm not going to do this. And so uh, I pretty much, I didn't have a breakdown yeah, I guess I would have had a bit of a breakdown and I just kind of closed up shop and I jammed the laptop and the computer and I was like, what am I paying over $3,000 a month for this apartment that I'm splitting with this other person and... And we're sharing a bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is just so much. It's just... Yeah. So, you hit, you hit so, your point. Yeah, I was just like, all right, I've had enough of this. I'm going to go and travel and then I, I did. I went to see these places like Indonesia where you can live for very little money and you see a completely different culture where people do not live like us and we realize that we have first world problems yeah. and so you closed up shop on that business or you uh, just left it no 
I took it with me. Oh, okay. In my yeah, I put the in the uh, suitcase general mutilator <laughs> machine in the in the, la- in the backpack, and I took it with me. And yeah, it was to the point he where it was spread it to others. Yeah, yeah, no, it was to the point where I could uh, pack up the business and work Got it, remotely. Okay. I had business partner, but there was just two of us, or yeah. maybe there was three of us, but. It was it was easy, and so I, I went and I traveled, and that's how I was able to start uh, doing yoga a lot more and focus on that practice. And I was able to uh, learn to surf and speak different languages and experience different cultures. And all of a sudden, my mind was opened up. Mm-hmm. I'm out of this startup bubble different bubble than they talk about may burst one day but that i'm out of that little bubble and all of a sudden i tried to make decisions for myself and really look at things at face value and say what do i think here what's the best decision that i want to make whether it comes to what food i put in my body or or uh weighing the options about what plastics i'm going to use today all of those things and um it really was a lot about yoga, a lot about meditation, and just a just a different lifestyle in general. And realizing that we take ourselves so seriously mm-hmm. here in the United States, especially in the startup world. Mm-hmm. And is that then how Under 30 Experiences came to be? Yes, and so we ended up spinning off a travel company, and it was mm-hmm. originally uh, just spun off for our, our blog readers. And we said, hey, we had, we had almost a half a million monthly visitors at that point we had a really good readership and we said well we have this great community online let's bring that offline and so we organized a trip to Iceland and uh, it went really really well and so so we said let's do this more often and then other people started to ask well do I have to be an entrepreneur to come do I have to be under 30 and we're like look if you're cool um, and we'll have a we good just time. Had to and give we'll it see a how this works out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, give us your money anyway. And look, yeah. So it's it's called under thirty experiences, yeah. but it's open to people twenty one to thirty five, and anybody who just wants to connect with others, which was what I was lacking in New York, which seems like mm-hmm. such a lonely city, and especially when you're in the startup grind and you can't even really afford office space. Mm-hmm. That's it. and just entrepreneurship in general. You don't have that company happy hour to keep totally. you happy, keep you happy, keep you happy, keep you enter- entertain, whatever. Engaged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you guys get the point. So we started this travel community. Now we have trips all over the world from so cool. Yeah, from Bali to Machu Picchu to Iceland to France and Spain to Costa Rica, where I live now full time all over the world. Awesome. I think that's probably a good segue now mm-hmm. to talk about a little bit about under 30 experiences. So you just you just mentioned a little bit about it, but for the listeners who don't know, under 30 experiences is a travel company. There are plenty of travel companies though. Why is what why is this about more than travel though? And as someone who's taken two trips, I know why, but I want our listeners to know too. Sure. So <laughs> what I briefly touched on before, we really call ourselves a community. And it's about the people that you experience these places with. We always say, awesome people, awesome places. And we put awesome people first because it's about who you were there with, who you were there to connect with. And it's what modern day life lacks 
so much. Yes, we are always connected on our devices, but are we really connecting with the people who we are talking to through whatever medium we're choosing for? You know, are we really present with the people who we're actually spending time with? No, half the time we're on our phones. And that's modern life, I get it, but uh, ha removing people from their little bubbles and bringing people to a phenomenal place that's going to blow their mind, show them a different culture, another way of living, and yeah, we sprinkle in the types of ideas that I'm talking about, but it's not like I have some crazy political agenda there where I'm like, all right, staff, you have to talk about not eating red. There will be no red meat. Okay, we're, we're, we actually are trying to implement no uh, purchasing of plastic water bottles. Mm -hmm. From under 30 experiences now. So now if a traveler wants to purchase a plastic water bottle, that's, that's totally fine. We are not going to judge you. This is a non-judgmental right. community. But we would much prefer to fill up your sustain. We ask everyone to bring a sustainable bottle and fill it up at a water cooler. And so through experiencing these things and also just being in the beauty of nature... I mean, you go on our Iceland trip and you get to see the glaciers melting in front of your eyes. Hopefully, you think a little bit differently the next time you go and make a spending decision. Mm -hmm. Cool. And that the, the community aspect, I think, is super important because there are a lot of companies or entities who will try and get away with using the word community and they kind of say it, but it's not really true. But I mean, I've said this probably since day one of taking an under 30 trip is under 30 and bare feet yoga where we teach mm -hmm. are the only two like things I would say, which are like true communities yep. that are businesses. And a lot of it from my perspective is because I think you, know, you guys were very intentional out of the gate in terms of like, because originally you had to apply and then there was like a little bit of a screening process, right? Sure. And that's something like the really like business wise I think those were some really, I think you were very future thinking and having that be the process up front because what it did was, it was like, okay, let's get quality people in, which then made quality people the standard once you scaled and expanded. And now it's not an application. Like now you can just put your credit card in online and go, right? Sure. But it's like, who did it scale to right. was more quality people. Right. And because it's the, it's quality people, the trips never end with the or the experience doesn't end with the trip. I mean, like that Facebook group. I don't know how many people it's at now, but people like love being in that group, right? And like one of the coolest things I can do is say, "Hey, I'm going to be in whatever state. Who in this community wants to hang out? Or like, who has a couch I can stay on? Right? <laughs> like, I have a, some, several like very good friends." Who I may not have even like gone on a trip with them. But you met them through but, the Yeah, group. I met them That's through the cool. community outside of the trip. Or like a couple of years ago, like twelve of us organized our own like Lake Tahoe trip, right? <laughs> so and awesome. and it could have been very easy for the company to be like, That's you can't organize your own trips within our community, <laughs> right. right? But you were like, fuck it, like let's send them a let's send them a thank you gift is what you yeah, did. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I mean that's, that's you so guys cool. if we know that our biggest fans, our biggest community members are going to be all in the place at one time. It just so happened that we couldn't make it to the thing. We I, we were running. We were all overseas. 
But, I mean, that's just an amazing testament to mm -hmm. that it's an actual community. And last week you ran a yoga class for our community here in Chicago. Yeah. So cool. And tonight we're going to go to a happy hour event and meet some travelers who, we've, who we know, who we've been with, meet other people who are thinking about coming on trips, uh, just people who are trying to get out of the little... Get out of their little bubble, not to yeah. repeat myself, but that's what it's about. Well, and I think, and I'd like you to maybe glean or share some advice for our listeners who are founders themselves. Um, you know, like one of the things you'll hear like out of Y Combinator is do things that don't scale. And I feel like they say it, but then like they encourage all these practices that are the exact opposite of what they say. But... You know, that idea of, like, let's have interviews with people first over the phone to see if they're good. Like, that's, a, that's, that's something that doesn't scale. Meetups don't scale. Yet you're still doing them, and the community continues to grow. And that's how this whole, like, good culture has been created. And it's almost like, it's, it's like, you know how, like, Harvard grads just know, like, if, they, if another Harvard grad applies or a Notre Dame grad applies for a job, who's coming out there, it's like, oh, they're part of Harvard, they're part of Notre Dame, they're in. Say, it's kind of like that same like litmus test. Like, oh, part of the under 30 community? Chances are I'll probably get along with them kind of thing. What advice do you have then for founders in terms of like intentional growth? I like the idea of do things that don't scale because really I, th I think that just means do the right thing. You know, it doesn't have to be Uber right that's what these VCs are looking for but that's the one that's the that's the home run it's not even the home run that's the one in a million one in a billion businesses are going to work out the way that Uber has but by the way they don't always do the right thing okay <laughs> so scalability sure yeah you could come up we could have come up with the magic app that works but we knew that doing the right thing was definitely going to work, right? We knew that, and even if it was just three of us in a room, that's our community, okay, well, at least it was a good time. At least we went on a few trips, had some fun, learned some things, can bring that into whatever we do next. But if you're thinking about how you wanna build your business, sure, scalability. People say meetups don't scale, but they do, they just, I mean, look at meetup.com, right? <laughs> that, that scaled pretty well. It worked out for those guys. And so doing the right thing, I think, is very scalable, but you need to encourage, you need to attract the right crowd. And Raj, what you said about our community members who, you know, in startup speak, those are our users or our clients or, or whomever, even though we don't refer to them that way, our, our travelers, our community members, we try to attract mindful people or people who are looking for a more mindful experience and want to make a change in their own lives, hopefully become better people in some capacity and then pay that forward to other people. And if you're in a startup, all right, who's going to take your product, have a positive experience with it and pay that experience forward to other people in some way. And that positivity change, that positivity spreads that is scaling that it that's word of mouth and now you know this business has been quote unquote scalable if we brought it to y combinator they would say oh yeah this this is not a scalable business because it's not an app right mm -hmm. or or whatever 
Uh, but it is because people take amazing photos on our trips and put them online and then everybody asks them, oh my God, who'd you go with? And it's under 30 experiences and we've been able to grow our business really quickly because of this. Yeah, I mean, what? We're, we're just recapping before we went on air. 2013 was how many trips? Like five or six? Three. Three. 2017, how many trips are you running? Like close to 200. Wow. That's four years. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. How many people a trip? Uh, up, up to 18. Wow. That's wow, right? So that's four trips every week. Yeah, like up to 20 people. Four different or locations so. have trips every week of the year. Yeah, and if we it's can awesome. make, yeah, if we can build a community of people who want to do the right thing or just are a little bit more open-minded to how the rest of the world works, I think that if they can bring that back to their own communities, mm -hmm. then we'll be doing the right thing. You're making so, an impact. I mean, I know I can't write that on my business plan and say, uh -huh. what's your plan? And that's to do the right thing. And it's not, and doing the right thing is a uh, subject, no, is objective sure. thing, right? And yeah, you think you're doing- Subjective. Uh, yes, it's very, is, yeah. thank you, it's <laughs> subjective. So you think you're doing the right thing and then down the line there's some unintended consequences, mm -hmm. of course, but that's part of scaling and if we're gonna try to make a positive impact, well, we gotta try. So yep. we'll see. Also, one other book that I wanted to bring up was Abundance by Peter Diamandis. He's very optimistic and he talks about all of the technologies that we can use to be able to solve all of these major problems that we have going on in the world. He talks about urban farming and space exploration and all these things that we could do to combat climate change. Uh, but again, those are businesses that have massive potential. All these ideas that he talks about in this book have massive, massive potential. And you know, they got they have to start somewhere. So hopefully the people in the startup scene want to take on those projects and have meaning to, to what they do every day. Where can our listeners learn more about Under 30, under 30 Experiences and uh, find you online? Sure, I would say under30experiences.com if you're interested in getting part of becoming part of our community. Of course, you can come on a trip, but you don't have to. You can just come to one of our meetups or in most major cities in the United States at this point uh, and across Canada as well. And yeah, if you want to connect, reach out. Matt at under30experiences.com would be happy to. Awesome. So let's let's close out then by going one by one and giving our answer. Matt, you're the guest of honor. You'll go last as a result. I'm so happy that I'm the last. So our question is, how do you build a sustainable life? Victoria? Okay, so I think building a sustainable life um, has to do with keeping your perspective. Um, so knowing when to put an emphasis on things or not to. And I think it's also just about starting to like understand what your personal values are and then researching how you can make decisions that support those values. So if you really think the environment's important, then understanding what impacts, what little things you can do to impact it. If you think that your personal health is important, understanding that, you know, and so I think it's having the perspective of, you know, everything going on around you, but knowing how to make decisions to support your values. 
My answers for how do you build a sustainable life. Part of it is, Victoria, you mentioned the episode we did with Samira Farr uh, on our relationship with time. And not to plug our own show here, but I really think that episode pairs nicely with this conversation, Mm -hmm. like, you know, wine and cheese. (laughs) And one of the other points she brought up in that episode was like, Understanding that time does not have to build tension if you don't let it. And the example she gave was like, you know, say you're trying to sign a, a customer and, and like this contract has been out for days and each day that builds, you feel more and more tension because you're worried they're going to say no. And then you get into like, well, why don't I discount my services and all this stuff? And it's just like the op, like the fact that you're like tension is building is your choice. And if you didn't view it as such, as time not building tension, maybe you'd make different decisions in those moments. Maybe you'd, instead of jumping to a discount, you'd want to have like a different type of conversation with them. But that same thing, you know, that's one example, but that same philosophy could be applied to, I think, particularly in the startup world, we always feel like we're not doing enough, that we're behind. But maybe the pace we're going at is okay, and maybe time is in our favor instead of working against us. As, mm-hmm. as hard as that might be to feel on a day-to-day basis, maybe that is the case. The other thing that I think is really important here is build the practices and habits early on that you want to embody once it gets harder. Because, like you mentioned, Matt, a few minutes ago, like the, the happy hour kind of thing, right? Like. I go to a lot of networking events in the startup community because I like meeting the people there. Not because I like having a beer four days a week or whatever. And you know what I do when I go? I drink water. Like, and no one's like laughing at me because I choose to drink water instead of beer. And that's okay, right? Like, and I, I talk to a lot of people who are like, a lot, a lot of people in this startup world who are like, man, God. I gotta like plan around that because I'm gonna be drinking that night. And it's like, you don't like, just because other people are, doesn't mean you have to. (laughs) And because I made that decision very early on, it's not hard to continue to do. So that's where I say, like, build the habit or whatever. Or like, you know, like waking up before 6 a.m. is not a problem because I've been doing it for two years now. And that was an early on habit that I built. Mm -hmm. Because you don't automatically, like, once you're quote unquote successful, or have things working in your favor, you don't automatically be like, all right, well now I'm gonna change everything up, right? No, it's definitely (laughs) the opposite. Yeah, if anything, you double down on the bad behaviors that were going on before. So that's where I say build it in early. Matt, how do you build a sustainable life? How do you sustain, oh man, I won't (laughs) restate the question at this point. We all know what it is. I think it's about alignment, but first looking inward and deciding what's important to me Victoria brought up values and what do you want to dedicate your life to and it doesn't mean you have to figure out your whole life just figure out what you want to dedicate your time to in these five minutes or in this hour or this year it it doesn't matter but time is obviously our most valuable precious resource that we don't know how to make more of at this point and so I think if we we look inward and we decide what's important to us then we can start 
building those sustainable practices and habits uh, that are going to support ourselves in the person who we want to be and hopefully that person who you want to be is something that you're proud to uh, display to others to walk in public to show up at a happy hour and not have to have a beer and not feel like you're at a frat party mm -hmm. right because you probably in the right scene and that probably means that you're in the right place at the right time if you feel comfortable there being your unique self because you looked inward and you said what's important to me and not comparing ourselves so much to the world around you and saying well I've got to get rich or I have to make my startup uh, get to this point and I have to have pedal uh, the pedal down at all times because it's just not true you just don't have to do that you don't have to do anything yeah. and so you can build your life then in a sustainable way which you're going to be able to succeed in the long term and not just chase the short term all day. Matt Wilson, you were our guest on episode one. You are now our guest on what I think is like episode 104 or five or something like that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Good to be back. Good to be back. And nice to meet you, Victoria. You Thank you. Cool. Yeah, thank you. We could, we could do a group hug around the table. That wrapped up our conversation with Matt Wilson. Amigo, thank you so much for joining us and spitting some real talk like you always do. Always a pleasure whenever we get the chance to chat, and hopefully we can see each other more often. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show. Therefore, more people get to discover their inner awesome. While you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform you consume us on, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, or the various other podcasting platforms in which you can find this show. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as Matt and Under 30 Experiences contact information, Head to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. While you're there, check out our growing archive. We are almost at 100 episodes. I was a little bit off at the end of our conversation with Matt. We're closing in on 100 pretty soon, so check out our full archive at discoveryourinnerawesome.com. Our Season 8 theme song comes to you from the band Sidewalk Chalk off their album An Orchid is Born. This song that you are hearing right now is called Take the Time. You can find this song and this album on Spotify, iTunes, and at SidewalkChalkMusic.com. That'll do it for this one. Thank you again to Matt Wilson for kicking off Season 8 with us. We got plenty more good stuff on the way for you this season. A lot of good topics, a lot of good guests, a whole lot of awesome. So we will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. My baby's sweet, I mean she's sweeter than all outdoors. Love, of course, through my veins and I'm